Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. I was walking past Ruby's and like suddenly I was hit on the head by this like old Walkman. Emma. And I'm the beans to Emma's toast, the chips to her fish, the Steve to her Jerry Springer. Connor. So what we got coming up this week, Emma? We have your usual roundup, of course, your hero in slapping down. But first, here's the jingle. You ain't my mother! Yes, I am! My boy, Blimey. Mr. Butcher. 57 was my nan. 57 was everyone else. One minute we'll be looking at each other. The next... Rubbing each other's clothes off. Mother always said I could be a star. Hope, Hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the fireworks. fireworks. Good, Good night. night. That's right. We're back to movie this week, guys. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what an opening to the week for them. Like, what other way would you say, good morning, my sweetheart, to your loving, beloved husband, than to accuse him of having an affair because he's doing the washing? It turns out... He was doing the washing because Arthur's wet in the bed. Well, no surprise. He's had his mum locked up for something she didn't do mm. and his dad killed. And now he's living with the woman who put his mum in jail. Yeah. And well, also, cool. and let's not forget, also had him kidnapped by his own father to go off to Dubai. I'm, I'm sorry, the redemptive story arc kind of loses me there. Because <laughs> like, I just always think, oh, wait, Stacey's rotten in jail for infanticide that she didn't commit. This is what bothers me. Like, this week, Ruby's just kicking back, having a great dinner party. And I'm like, what about Stacey? Yeah, meanwhile, Stacey's eating gruel. Like, she's, <laughs> like, you know, working away in the little sweatshops and prisons. Like, it's bizarre. I feel like going down to Walford Prison and campaigning to get her out. I mean, we would, Emma, but we're already in knee-deep in another campaign, which is obviously Free the Jaguar. Um, <laughs> if you haven't heard about it, poor Jags have been sent down for a crime he didn't commit. Us and Habiba are on the case. We want him free. I mean, I think that campaign's going to be ending in a, in a week or two. Um, yeah. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers or anything. Um, so we're free to, to move on. I just also want to say I love Ruby's reaction like to get back on track I love Ruby's reaction to Arthur wet in the bed she's like it's fine don't worry this totally happens all the time hashtag living the dream like Ruby it doesn't happen all the time this is signs of trauma and like stress in a child um bizarre that Martin's just started to care because he didn't seem to care at all when he was gallivanting off with his ex-wife to Dubai instead of taking Arthur. He's like, he's he's finally starting to step up and he wants Lily home. But Ruby, Lily's biggest fan and... <laughs> Number one support. <laughs> Number one supporter. She's like, nah, he's got hope and he's got us. Bear in mind, I'm sorry. hope's like, like an infant. Like hope's like three or two. Like, what is she going to provide Arthur in the way of support? <laughs> I'm struggling there. Like, I'm sorry. He'd be like, so hope I'm really feeling down today. And then she'd just kind of like laugh and like, you know, be childish. Get out of Barbie dolls. And... Yeah, she'd be like, do you want to play Barbie? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, should we play house? Like, 
what she going to do? You know, my siblings, whenever they were stressed or worried about something, they would come to me, regardless of how, like, because I was, like, about five years older than one of them and, like, about 13 years older than the other. Like, so, like, regardless of, you know, what they were going through, they knew that I would probably have, like, some level of, like, understanding or even just be able to comfort them in a way that maybe other people wouldn't. So they, like, it's just normal, isn't it? Like, Lily would be able to provide something that, like, Hope certainly couldn't because Hope is the child. Like, she is the baby. She's not going to be able to, like, give any sort of advice to anything or, like, (laughs) even understand where Arthur's coming from. (laughs) Oh, he's got Hope. He's busy, you know, giving her a bottle and, um, you know, singing our lullaby or something. Like, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Like, how is she going to be his support? You are his parent or guardian. Like, you are supposed to be that support. And you are supposed to make his life as easy as possible. It shouldn't be a case of, well, he doesn't have one sibling. I'm sure he can make do with another. And then Ruby takes it that step further. She's like, you can't pander to her, Martin. <gasps> it was her choice to leave. She is 10. I know. This is what I don't understand. She's 10 years old. She's like, you're pandering to her. Well, she's 10. She's a 10-year-old and you've made homeless like three times. Yeah, she's like, I didn't kick her out. She chose to leave. She's 10. <laughs> she's 10 years old. It's still child endangerment if you willfully allow that. Like, I can't understand. Ruby, also, you made an environment so toxic, so toxic that she left. That is not an achievement on your behalf. That just says you've been wicked and have made it so that she didn't want to be here. That's not a deferment on her character, is it? Like... You know, it's not, oh, well, Lily left. It's not like you're offering her a flipping sanctuary or something. You were horrible to her. You called her a nasty, horrible cow and stuff. Spiteful old cow. And you did say she has to move out. It's her or me. I remember that exactly. too. Yeah. Oh, no, but don't worry, Emma. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't like she hated Lily or anything. But don't worry. We've got some wonderful... We had a lot of Johnny <laughs> Allen this week, but... <laughs> this bit. <laughs> We've got some wonderful parenting advice. Of gangster Johnny Allen. Oh. <laughs> a friend of the square. Gent of the community as well. Wait till we go on to that later. We'll we'll tell you a lot more about the Johnny we didn't know. Yeah. The Johnny that deep, deep down. <laughs> that feeling he had about everyone. He loved everyone. Friend yeah, of he everyone. loved everyone. He was like, he was basically, um, you know, Jesus Christ, according to Ruby. <laughs> He was going around healing the sick, nursing the poor. (laughs) Throwing Walkmans out of windows, you know, the classic. (laughs) Throwing the occasional gangster off of a building. Like, those sorts of things. Saving dresses from fires. (laughs) (laughs) That was his first miracle, that. That dress burned in the fire, but he brought it back. Didn't bother bringing back the wife. She was a, you know, she was a nightmare to deal with. And Scarlet, well, you could always have another daughter. <laughs> but that dress. One of a kind. One of a kind. Never get that ever again. <laughs> I, just love, I just love the retcon of like Johnny Allen's character here. He literally came onto the square as a big, nasty gangster. That is how he came on. Threatening the moons. Have been threatening um what do you call him uh, andy threatening andy hunter like coming on really strong and really intimidating and really nasty and ruby now, had, and let's let's remember ruby ran away from him he, i know i had to put that on twitter 
when you know after that was up you remember when they were like uh, it showed that scene it was like the preview and Ruby's like he was a good dad really so good that you didn't want to live with him like three <laughs> times like, she spent more time with the Slaters oh, than Pat exactly. than she did anyone else and who took her in Stacy exactly. exactly that's what makes this betrayal all the worst because she she betrayed the one person who took her in when her dad had his fancy woman <laughs> shacked up with her uh, <laughs> Red water. <laughs> it's just a slight red water reference there. It was nice and sneaky. I like that. <laughs> Had a sneak bit. <laughs> I love because this is like a parable you have never heard. Listen to this, guys, right? No longer shall we look at stories and parables like the scorpion and the frog for inspiration or some of Sun Tzu's quotes. Why would we look there when we have the ancient and greatest wisdom at our fingertips coming from Ruby Allen and her father, Johnny Allen? I feel like we need at the end of that MBE. Yeah, yeah MBE. <laughs> Johnny called <it> MBE. <laughs> because he'd done so much for his community. Lord Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Johnny Allen. Johnny Allen. <laughs> I love her. And she's a real. I love her. She's, she tells her story, right? Her story is she had a Walkman given to her by her dad, right? For those who aren't familiar with the Walkman, well, they were when we used to take a massive little walk. Well, it was a Walkman. You would take it with you. A bit like an MP3 player, but big because you needed yeah. to put a CD in there. You'll carry a CD around on you at all times. <laughs> so it was quite big to carry around, but it was just, it was before the world of MP3s and then before the world of phones. Well, not before yeah. the world of phones, but before the world no, of music on phones. Of, like mobile phones, like as we know them now, where yes. they can provide like music and videos and all those sorts of things. If you wanted to take any CDs around, you would have them in a massive CD case, which you'd also carry around <laughs> with you. <laughs> And you would flick through to get your next one. This is how old me and Emma are. We don't just remember Walkmans. We remember cassette players. <gasps> Cassettes. We remember those level of Walkmans where it's before the discs. <laughs> and you always had to rewind. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. That was so annoying. I used to love one of my favourite cassettes, which, by the way, guys, for you who are not primordial ancients like me and Emma, those are little like, they're like these plastic things that contain ribbon that um house music on them it's a very strange system don't know how it works even to this day it's very primitive tech <laughs> it should be restudied <laughs> it should because that is very interesting yeah i mean it is crazy how that worked and um you would have you would have all your best songs on that my favorite um cassette it was Tina Turner, simply the best and had all the greatest hits how i didn't know that i was going to be gay is astounding. <laughs> You're simply the best. Better than all the rest. You know that that's what like um, is playing inside of Ruby's head whenever she thinks about her dad, don't you? Yeah. Like she's so, better than anyone. Yeah, definitely was. Definitely. Better than all the other gangsters. Oh, I love it. But apparently, anyway, this Walkman back on track. Johnny Allen got her a Walkman and apparently this Walkman was so significant in her life. This moment, she remembers it clearly. He basically said she was working her ticket and if she didn't stop, he was going to throw the Walkman out the window. 
which he did. But do you know what? That was the best thing he could have done for her. <laughs> the best thing that Johnny's ever done. <laughs> Not yeah, save her from a like, fire, but you know. <laughs> save her from a fire, given her like, you know, all of this like worldly material wealth. Yeah. And um providing her with, you know, like a, a somewhat supportive and loving home. I mean, like I just love it because like all the things he ever did for her all pale in comparison to the life lesson that she learned <laughs> that if you work your ticket, you're gonna get that walkman broken. That's not a life lesson. No. And I was also, like, what does this have to do with anything, Ruby? I don't understand <laughs> this reference in this. What, that somehow, like, you shouldn't pan at a lily. Instead, you should pick up a phone and smash it or something. Like, what is the reference here? That's what I, I got from it. <laughs> I don't understand the referencing of this this flipping life lesson. I love it because Martin's like, yeah, I'm not taking parenting advice from your dad. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I love Martin. He's like, yeah, unfortunately, Ruby, I'm old enough to remember what your dad was actually like. Yeah. <laughs> Martin decides to go to the cafe and meet up with Lily and Jean, and uh, he needs a home, and so does Arthur. And Lily says, well, I am home, and smiles at Jean, because, you know, that is where she grew up. That's where she lived. And, um, well, Lily quite rightly says, and Ruby hates her. Yeah, I mean, that's honest. And I love that Martin's kind of, like, in denial about that. He's yeah. like, no, she doesn't hate. Are you crazy? Are you, like, actually delusional, Martin? She said she hates her. She doesn't yeah. like her. I remember when, like, at one point, Ru- Lily says something like, she doesn't want me here. And then she was like, yeah, I don't. Or something like that. <laughs> in front of Martin. So, like, I don't understand where Martin's like, no, no, she loves you. She wants you to come home. She wants you to come home. <laughs> She's like, it's her or me. No, she doesn't hate you. She doesn't hate you. She's just angry. I'm There's sorry she threw your Walkman out, but she doesn't. She just <laughs> yeah. learned from sorry her dad. Sorry she smashed up your phone. Well, you <laughs> had to learn a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I would just love an entire week of just life lessons from Ruby, from like the book of Johnny Allen's. I like, I just that. feel like that would be everything. If your child is misbehaving, pick up their most precious object and smash it into a thousand pieces. I would love a book of all of Johnny Allen's um, yeah, advice. Yeah, like life lessons. Like they should release that. <laughs> <laughs> How to get rid of those pesky stains that have marred your carpets for so long. Bleach and lots of hot water should do the trick, but make sure to replace those floorboards. <laughs> That's all advice, isn't it? So Lily's decided she's off home, but Jean reminds her they can't because, you know, police are around. And I love the bit where she gets up and she's like, she quickly just assures Martin, it's because Kat was mugged. We're not in any trouble or anything. Yeah. <laughs> just, just very quick to be like, we're not like doing drugs out the house or anything. Um, just just Kat's just been harmed. So once Martin's left the calf, well, Ruby heads there too. And she hears her former enemy. Yes, her and Lola never got on. Her former enemy Lola That's on the very phone. very odd. They were like actual love rivals. Yeah. I liked Ruby and Jay. I thought that made sense. It did make sense. And actually, I liked the fact that Jay didn't take money from her and stuff. Jay was very much adamant about paying for her to have different meals and stuff. And although he couldn't keep up with her in terms of like how much she would spend on an event or something, like on a date, he was always very much still doing things for her. The opposite is true for her, Martin. Martin takes her money and uses it to buy things. 
And also Lola then cheated on Jay anyway, so it was like, oh, you fought for him. And then... Yeah, don't I know. Fought for him. And then just threw him away. Mm-hmm. That poor Ben. I tell you what, I'd have him. I'd have him. <laughs> she hears Lola on the phone anyway. She hears oh. her talking to Lexi. That bit was so weird. I am sorry, right? I know that this is like EastEnders, but in real life, if you were sat having a private conversation with your child, like, although it's in public, it's still private because it's on the phone. And, like, she's sat there joking and having a laugh. And Ruby's just in the corner, grinning like the Cheshire Cat, watching her. <laughs> just it was just a little weird, wasn't it? She was like... Hep <laughs> 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 breathing. <sighs> just love this. She's like, me dad's advice hasn't been working. The Walkman thing, that didn't work. <laughs> right. Could you help? I looked through my dad's book, but most of it's just about killing your enemies. So <laughs> Lola has some advice because Ruby's like, I'm the wicked stepmother. Well, you do know what you've put Arthur and Lily through, don't you? Yeah, I'm sorry. If the flipping crown of thorns fits, it fits, doesn't it? Like, come on. You've like, messed with their lives and endangered them numerous times. It's like, to me, she doesn't even remember what she's done. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, I think anyone who's willfully deliberately using a man's gambling addiction to make children and her like love rival homeless, who's also her long time friend. There's a sadistic nature there for sure. Yes. <laughs> I think, I think uh, someone who pays someone to beat someone up, who was their like lifelong friend, definitely the sadisticness there. Um, and bullying like a child into leaving their home. Framing someone for something they didn't do. Yeah, letting them go down for Putting rats through her door. Um, yeah. She thinks Jean's dying and still didn't do anything and still let Stacey go down. Like, it never yeah, stopped shocking. it. It's just shocking. That's, shocking. that's like different level sadisticness. Like, I've been wondering if, like, when Stacey comes back, hmm. like, maybe she will get out of prison earlier than we think. And maybe, hmm. like, she'll just go, like, off grid and, like, not no one will be able to contact her and she might come back with like a a storyline a bit like where she's been like living rough or something and maybe that and like our mental health's really affected because maybe. of all this i'm wondering if that might happen i think we are going to get another mental health storyline yeah. with stacy because of all this i'm sorry she's, she's amazing at them she's went to jail with the crime of killing an unborn child over her head mm-hmm. if if the guilt wouldn't hurt her or damage her mental health certainly the life that you would have behind bars amongst mm-hmm. actual hardened criminals would would definitely damage her prison talks like people will know exactly what she's in there for so she would be getting terrorized and it's had an effect on her her kids her children her family yeah. her i mean gene um, you know it's it that's a lot that's been put into this position even smaller events, like things like Cush's death and stuff, have all yeah. been impacted by her actions. Because if Stacey was here, Arthur would certainly never have been allowed to go with exactly. Cush. And therefore, Cush and Whitney would have probably gotten away because Arthur wouldn't have needed the toilet. It's like this massive butterfly effect that Ruby's actions have had on the square. And also, all you've got to think, chaos. in prison, she's had to now deal with Cush's death as well. Exactly. She's not been out to be able to help. She's not been there to grieve. That's the father of her child. Someone she's like lived with for friend. a very long time. Lifelong friend. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, There's a lot of irredeemable things that Ruby's done. It's, and it's yeah. our job just to remind everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't know. It, yeah, I don't think their friendship can ever... 
I mean, she's hardly yeah. going to sit down in the future. I go, oh, God, do you remember when you done that, Ruby? <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm sorry. Even I, I think you mentioned this over WhatsApp to me earlier this week when we were discussing this exact same thing. There's some levels of similarities between Stuart and Mick. Mm-hmm. However, Mick hasn't forgiven and forgotten what nope. Stuart has done. They have occasional moments of friendship, but they are hardly best friends anymore, are they? Stuart... Like, it's been over time he's changed. Yeah. He's said how he's been on the drugs. We've seen him with Rainey. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of distanced himself from Mick because Mick's not going to forgive him. Linda certainly doesn't. We know that. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, rightfully so. After what he, Like, that's why, it's, yes, Stacey and Ruby might be able to have a conversation in the future, but they're never going to be sat down. They're and never going to be friends again. That's a real shame because their friendship was so good. I loved the fact they had each other. And I also think you don't, as I've said before, you don't get the strong female friendships on these shows anymore. You don't. You don't. And they were and so good. When you look at Ruby, when she first came back in, she was very much a girl's girl. Like mm-hmm. she was very much like involved in trying to empower the other women on the square, like, um, you know, working in a business with like Whitney or trying to recruit other women to work for her. She still sort of does that with kind of like Dottie and Tiff, but it's always on this kind of like sinister, dark criminal angle now. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to be healthy for them. And it's definitely exploitative of them. Um, and so, it's bizarre. She's kind of done this 180. Like, she used to be very much like my, like, you know, East End as feminist icon almost. She would come in and she was like, I don't need a man. I don't need to be married. I'll live my life the way I want to live my life. I'm a businesswoman making a, a you know, a name for myself and, you know, you know, working my way up in this really um, patriarchal society um, and combating all those difficulties. And I really liked her for it. And then, like, suddenly she's like, I'm going to steal Martin now. And because, um, well, Ruby goes and sees Lily and Jean. Um, Jean's just not bothered right now. She's like, look, we shouldn't be doing this now. She manages to bribe Lily because that's what Lola was saying. Bribes, some emotional blackmail. Well, she invites them for drinks to say thank you. Hmm. I mean, I had a lot to say about this whole, like, deal that she mm-hmm. had with uh, Lily as well. Because like, it was like mini fridge and 9.30 bedtime, except for weekends. Um, and, then, and then that was it. The deal was sealed with cake. And I was a bit like, to be fair, I think if me and Emma were in that room and Ruby came and went, listen, guys, I've got a deal for you. And it starts and ends with cake. I think <laughs> me and Emma will both be like, okay, can't wait to hear it. Let's have a go. <laughs> Pass the cake she, over, love. She knows love. how to get to Emma. She knows. <laughs> we'll be like, she knows. Pass the cake and we'll talk. Come yeah, on, then. Like, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Bring that cake through. Bring that cake through. Check that's chocolate, Emma. Bring that cake through. Bring that cake through. You know what? If it was a fruit cake, we'll be like, get that thing out of here. Get your blooming backside off my chair. Imagine <laughs> if you brought in carrot cake. The <gasps> horror. Mean, I literally run. I think me and I would be like out of the house. Come here, get out of here now. The next scene was just, it was just wonderful. And <laughs> do it, do it. I can't, I can't deal with that. I'm not, I literally cannot deal with that. When I'm running late and my neighbours, not even neighbours, are in need. It's, it's just people who live in the general area. I think, you know what? Why not solve all your problems with a rabbit? So I go and I buy them one. <laughs> I would have quite liked him to pull it out of a hat. The fact that he comes in wearing Paul's jacket and then 
just out of nowhere has a little rabbit hutch <laughs> with a rabbit inside. I was like, Jesus. He comes in dressed in Paul's coat, like his dead brother's coat, wears that in, and then just displays the just brings a rabbit round. Just brings a rabbit round. He's like, well, my friend was uh, getting rid of rabbit, uh, so I just bought it off him. I thought the kids might like it. I mean, there's a lot of questions you've got to ask before, like, just buying someone a rabbit, because, like, once if they're allergic. allergic. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll both went for that first. What happens if they don't like rabbits? It's I, someone I else's they... house as well, like. Exactly. What did they do with the rabbit after? Because, like, they're talking. He brings the rabbit in. Then they <laughs> sit down and chat. And I never see the <laughs> rabbit again. <laughs> the rabbit's not, like, just hanging around in the background, nothing. Just, I keep seeing him in my head just being, like carrying this little rabbit the rabbit's just staring frightened by like this what's going on I honestly don't know that he bought that rabbit I swear he just took it it was in Paul's coat it was in Paul's coat <laughs> all these it was in Paul's belongings the whole time he was a rabbit dealer that was what he used to do luckily the rabbit's not the only thing Isaac suggests he does suggest a worry box and I'm pretty sure uh, those children will have a lot of worries to put in there and mainly to do with the woman they're living with yeah keep out of that what's your first worry living with ruby <laughs> <laughs> having me walkman thrown out the window yeah, by a poltergeist <laughs> and then obviously like ruby and isaac right like ruby very graciously at this point like accepts this rabbit calls it mr pickles very very interesting that they just have no concern for this rabbit's well-being. They don't know anything about it. They've just took it in. Um, <laughs> but it's someone... <laughs> imagine if you just took it from his friend's house and his friend's just in a rabbit. Know anything about it. I'm not being funny, but, like, we never really hear us see if the rabbit in the, the week after. Oh. <laughs> what happened? The mom did see he was going to cook it at one point. Oh, like, I was just like, oh, my God, oh, mom. No. This isn't flipping a wild rabbit. This is a domesticated one. After delivering the rabbit, he kind of becomes quite obsessed with Ruby and she becomes obsessed with having adult friends all of a sudden since, you know, all the other ones she's sent down for something <laughs> that they didn't do. So she she has them round the next night and, and Isaac dressed as, as Paul again, decides he's going to have a little look through Ruby's uh, family album. Private because... family albums? And also, can I just talk about that promo shot he was looking at of Paul <laughs> earlier? I was like, you <laughs> love it. That's straight out of um, one of the TV choice magazines or something. I love it. I love it as well because it's just like he became obsessed. It's all stems because Patty, Patty was like Johnny was was a good man. He did your brother right. You know, your brother wasn't a great person, but he didn't deserve to die. But you think that it was all right that Johnny Allen killed Andy Hunter, clearly. Because you're like, he did his right. He killed jo <laughs> he killed Andy Hunter for what he did to our Paul, and he deserved to die. Not our Paul. He didn't. Hey, I love you, but you cannot say that murder is acceptable. Not even in this case. Andy was a piece of work and a scumbag. But even in that case, you cannot say it was justifiable homicide. You can't throw someone off a blooming motorway. But now, now he's like, he did us right. <laughs> he did this family right. He did your brother right. I was like, stop it. It was probably Johnny who flipped organised the hit. Let's be honest. And I loved, so they were looking through these photo albums because Isaac has no sense of like people's personal boundaries and you yeah, know no, private no. things so he's like let's have a look 
And there's a lovely... <laughs> I could have wanted to have... Oh, I was like looking through myself and I was like looking at this one. Oh, there's Johnny after he killed Andy Hunter. <laughs> That's that one. There's a picture of him with his mistress. Oh, look. Oh. Look, there's that photoshopped picture of him and Paul that doesn't actually <laughs> exist. Oh, and my personal favourite, Emma. He has a picture of him jamming Peggy Mitchell's fingers in the door and threatening to chop them off. Remember that? Oh, such a kind man, wasn't he? Well, we did learn. We learned a lot about him. Let's let's just talk about all those good points. We're missing. <laughs> we're missing out some of Johnny's best qualities, and it's not fair. It's just not fair. Yeah, that's true. We're not biased here on this podcast. Mm-mm. No, we're not. We're very objective. He was a good friend of everyone on the square. He was a good dad. He was tough, mm-hmm. but he was fair. He would do anything for his friends and family. He got on with anyone. Selfless. East End gent who cared for his community. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys listening are old enough or if you were even watching his tennis at that point, but I think anyone who does know Johnny Allen knows that he was none of those things and... Like, he tried to pretend to be a lot of those things. Yes, he definitely played the role of caring father. But at the same time, moved his mistress in after his wife burned in a fire. Uh, Didn't really care or or have a concern for Ruby's um, objections to that. And, um, yeah, uh, terrorised everyone who tried to shelter Ruby when she left the house. So... Not sure about that. Also, I love when he was like, everyone liked him. <laughs> everyone liked him. Apart from Pat, who he called, an, uh, you know, a prozzy, a uh, uh, flipping slap out of hole, all of those words. Um, Peggy, who, again, you know, obviously jammed her fingers in a door and uh, also tried to have her knocked off. Like, literally hired a hitman to terrorise her. Um, and, you know, various other people didn't, Andy didn't really get on with them. The Slaters didn't really get on with them. Um you know, take your pick. Sharon. Sharon. Remember when he was beaten, he like threw Sharon against a wall when she was pregnant? Stabbed Dennis? Like, oh yeah, he was loved by everyone. Loved by all. <laughs> loved by all. He was a kind man. A gentle soul, really. He cared. Misunderstood. Very misunderstood, Johnny Allen, wasn't he, Emma? Well, he did. He was. He was. Because I only remember him really being a caring man. He really cared for the community. <laughs> trying to clean it up remember trying to clean up the community despite having people who murder people having a a, a number of different hit blokes like on on retainer he cared for them he cared for his businesses he cared for his cars and he cared for those many employed to kill people (laughs) they all had um you know uh health insurance with booper he had them sorted don't you worry Their families will be looked after for life by Johnny Allen's trust. <laughs> I mean, it's just hysterical. He was an actual gangster. Like, Paul worked for Andy Hunter, who worked for Johnny Allen. That means Paul was dealing drugs into the community for Johnny Allen's firm. Does Ruby forget that she was the one that wanted him to hand himself in the police and go to prison? Yes, she saw that video of Dennis being stabbed to death and then was like, no, no, Dad, you are going to flip and hand yourself in. I've called the police. Hand yourself in. This is wrong. Lola, Lola likes to throw out some home truths here. And she's like, well, that's yeah, all lies. Lord. He isn't a saint. <laughs> he threw some guy off a bridge. Some guy. I think you find that's Andy Hunter. 
That's what fan fiction dad that. Exactly. Jacks took baby Abby off to see Max. Apparently he's in Paris now. Um, so that must be. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think I love he's... That he's not in like, New Zealand with his daughter. <laughs> what I think's happening is because you know he was walking. He's made it to right. Paris. Mm-hmm. He's having a bit of a stop off, and then he's going to carry on walking to get to New Zealand. <laughs> he's made it that far. <laughs> How is like, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, where is Lauren? How is she? We don't know any of this, Emma. She's probably still living in that burnt-out room, and that was her home. I do worry. Like, Yes, I do love Max is just enjoying himself in um, Paris. He's just enjoying himself over there, having some, you know, macaroons and some uh, creme brulee. Like, he's just enjoying himself, living his best life. Meanwhile, his daughter's, like, living in a burnt-out ruin and Rainy's crying. Let's talk about Rainy and Stuart's struggles against Vi. Oh, isn't mm-hmm. Vi lovely? Always being she's rude like a, to them. She's, she's such a lovely guest, isn't she? As lovely as a cuddly porcupine. Or, you know, a cactus that won't stop sticking. It's flipping big spiky arms right in your face. Like, literally, she is the most nastiest person, I think, you could ever have invited to stay with you. At first, it was quite funny because it was in little bits. But now it's like all the time. And it's everyone. It's not even just like, oh, you know, it's a little quip here, a little quip there. It's like every single person she's nasty to. She does occasionally drop a few funny lines. Like, I would be remiss and a liar if I said that. Sometimes she does make us laugh. Mm-hmm. When she said something like, you know, baby Abby was spelling out help with her <laughs> alphabet spaghetti. That made us laugh. Like, um, I think they just need to kind of work on her character uh, at EastEnders HQ and no. kind of and tweak her a little bit just so that she doesn't come across as this really nasty individual. Yeah, I you think show that, it, just, show that she still has, like, that human side, that heart, like, a heart. Yeah, yeah. Like, that more because, softer side to her as well. Yeah. I, I think agree. that's what they were originally going for. And yeah. somewhere along the lines, the translation has definitely been dropped. Um, because Vi is basically just increasingly becoming very, very nasty and argumentative towards everyone. Yeah, because at least at the wedding, you're still so crying, getting involved, yeah. having that softer edge to it and still like yeah. making jokes, but she was still being quite nice actually to Kathy. And then, yeah, yeah like this week, it was just like, quite she was quite angry. <laughs> yeah, she was quite aggressive with her, her, her nasty quips. I just think... Um, the the cliche of naughty or bad, ignorant, you know, parent or, or relative who we love, regardless, um, it kind of doesn't work if that person is just downright mean. <laughs> like, it just doesn't work. And Rainy is absolutely sick of her. She oh, wants yeah. her out. Um, and she whispers, um, after she's caught talking about her, she then just whispers to Stuart, when Vi's like still really close by saying like she wants rid of her and I'm like surely she can hear yeah I was like she's not that deaf she's also not stupid because she pretended to go to the toilet so you would start talking about her yeah like I love it when Stuart's like let's just deflate the hate and I was like oh that should be like a new saying shouldn't it you know like in in life or like in anything like you know like when people start getting very aggro and stuff we just go let's deflate the hate guys come on let's deflate that hate I was like, I love that. It's like, you know, when they said, you, there used to be that saying, like, love trumps hate. Like, yeah. we can have deflate the hate. Deflate <laughs> the hate. 
courtesy of Stuart Highway. <laughs> Stuart takes Vi um, out for a drink to just get her away from Rainy because Rainy's going to kill her. And yeah. I mean, Rainy called her a battle axe, but I'm fairly certain that Rainy just wants to plunge a battle axe into her. <laughs> I don't know that she actually thinks she's a battle axe. <laughs> and she just thinks, hmm, you need someone else. But he's like, no, she's the fish to my chips, the beans to my toast. Steve-O to his Jerry Springer. Is Steve-O not that guy of Jackass who does the weird stuff? I thought the same thing. I thought, wait, Steve-O. <laughs> it's not Steve-O. It's Steve. Do you remember on Jerry Springer, he always had that really big um, bodyguard with like right. a bald head called Steve. Yes. He never called him Steve-O. No. He never called him Steve-O. He called him Steve. And so it's very, like anyone who grew up watching Jerry Springer will always remember him as Steve. That's yeah. why me and you didn't get that reference. How did yeah. Honey get the reference straight away? She was dead quick I know, because she said the same thing. I'm sorry, a person of hers and Stuart's ages, people of their ages should only know that man as Steve. This is before he had his own show, guys. We don't, We didn't watch his own show. We watched Jerry Springer and he was the bouncer on that show. I his didn't even know he had everything. his own show. Oh, his show's really scary, Emma. It has, like, really scary people on, and I don't know how real it is. I mean, I say I'm that Googling. about Jerry Springer as well, but, but honestly, Emma, he has, like, real criminals. See, Steve-O comes up, and it's Jackass. <laughs> Steve-O from Jerry Springer. Oh, there he is. I want to see his TV show, though. It's crazy. Steve Wilkos. That's it. So technically, Steve W, but okay. That's why we all just call him Steve. I've never ever heard anyone call him Steve O in my life. It's really weird because if you Google him, it just comes up with like Steve from Jerry Springer and it's all Jerry Springer stuff. Yes. It's not like his own show. It's <laughs> if Honey knows the Steve O to Stuart's Jerry Springer, then Vi's going to be on the case. One quick hello from them two and she's like, right, that's the woman for him. <laughs> love that she's like Aphrodite she's just come to flip in you know match them up I love it she's like um, she's skulking around the shop isn't she and um, begins just interrogating honey really interrogating her um, about things like is she a lesbian does she have a partner does she have kids how old are these children does she maybe fancy Stuart and want to shack up with him even though he's married <laughs> and then out of nowhere Stuart comes barging through the, the door doesn't he with a bat in hand ready to deal out some uh, vigilante justice to God knows who um, because Vi has sent him an emergency text saying that she needs his help right now he believes she must have been like attacked or something or whatever no no she's just felt love in the air <laughs> Except there is none. Friendship. Two people can be friends, man and woman, without there being any sort of sexual chemistry thereby. They get on. They're neighbours. And they live in her old flat. Yes. It's also really funny because, like, then, like, honey, like, this is one of those moments, again, where Vi kind of, you know, we don't like her attitude to a lot of things, and then she'll drop a funny line, and, every, and like, it is funny. Like, you can't resist laughing at it. And one of those moments is this, where, like, honey explains that she's dating Jay, and Vi's like, you work behind a register. You should be on a register. 
and then just storms out. Just <laughs> keeps calling him the pale boy the as pale if he's like, boy. you know, supposed to lurks around the funeral parlour. Like, <laughs> it was just everything. But I didn't realise he was real. <laughs> yeah, she thought it was just a, a, you know, a phantom that she was seeing because she's close to death. Like, <laughs> that's what she thought. And then I love it because then they have a discussion, like her and, and Stuart having a discussion. Again, the food analogies come out. I think EastEnders know we love the food analogies because we have made comments about the fact that every time Stuart talks about love, it's always about food, lasagna in the shoes, kind of love, those sorts of moments we've laughed at. I don't understand at, how that's but, comfortable. Yeah. Lasagna in like, shoes. It's just not. It's just not. I don't even really like lasagna, to be fair. No, no, do I? Do you remember we used to have to make it? Oh, no, that's why. That I swear that's why I don't like it. And we all had to go around and taste each other's. Oh, don't. Nah. Do you remember? I got out of it by saying I had an allergy to cheese. And then yeah. like, we were eating cheesecake the next week. And yeah, I'm like, how can I eat cheesecake? <laughs> I was like, well, it's not real cheese. It's like mascarpone cheese, isn't it? So it's like, it's not the same. Um, this time, though, it's all about ice cream. And she's she's adamant. She says, you know, sometimes you you focus too much on the vanilla. You you miss out on the chocolate, the strawberry. I mean, neither of none of those flavors are actually my favorites. I think I'm a more mint choc chip. I love mint choc chip. I like mint choc chip and chocolate. There is a great one that is my favorite, and it's um, down the coast. There's this mm. little um, like shack kind of thing and they do nutella oh, ice cream yes you showed me it on pictures and mm. I, i'm desperate to go i swear when we get a nice beach day emma we'll have to go and have some ice cream um because i'm obsessed it's is like, it like a bay or somewhere like that isn't yeah. it yeah so it's like you can have chocolate like a chocolate version a white chocolate version or both of them mixed together wow mm-hmm. i mean Honestly, guys, the one thing is, if you ever do get the chance to come up to Newcastle or like or the northeast in general, we have the best coast. I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that because I live up here. We honestly do oh, have the yeah. best beaches um, and they go on for miles and are beautiful. And I would honestly recommend it. Also, we have some fantastic food up here. Here you can have the countryside. You can have like the city life. You can have mm-hmm. the beach life. You can have so many different things. Exactly, Emma. So we've just officially sold it to everyone listening to Eat Went. Move up to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> or down if you're in Scotland. <laughs> yes, it'll be down. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're back on track to Stuart talking about ice cream. And he's like, listen, Rainey's anything but vanilla. And I agree. She's definitely not vanilla. She's Rocky Road. Now, Rocky Roads are a difficult ice cream sometimes. Sometimes they can get them right. Sometimes they can get them very wrong. I agree. It's a bit like bubblegum. It can be yes. right or it can be wrong. It, it's very hit and miss. Yeah, bubblegum, ice cream, ice lollies can be very, very mm. temperamental. Yeah, they can vary in their, their goodness. A Rocky Road sounds way more interesting than vanilla. I mean, it is. That's why he's with Rainy. Rainy keeps him on his toes. Everyone needs someone like that. Even Ruby said so. And, you know, Ruby is the voice of reason on the square. She learns from Johnny Allen, the best. I mean, man he of was the, the community. of all mankind. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love it because Stuart's explaining why things are a bit tense between Rainey and Vi and things and why it's just not a great time for, for Vi to be so combative. And, like, Rainey's been saying, like, don't tell her about the surrogacy or she'll want to get involved. 
Uh, so Stuart does exactly that. And he yeah. tells her about, he heard the words, but he didn't hear them correctly. And he's just decided, <laughs> yeah, okay, tell her about the surrogacy. <laughs> like Kim when people tell her to put information on their website. Yeah, put information and on their website. She still does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Rainy has some surrogacy plans. She's going to go and meet up with someone who could be a potential surrogate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Vi, Vi's decided, well, she's going to pop along. Makes it incredibly awkward. So that's it. Rainy's packed her bags. Get out. <laughs> I love it because Rainey's literally having like this screaming fit, like, wrestling with like Balam's like air bed as well. <laughs> Afterwards, she's like, ah, you could just tell it's all because of Vi, like ruining, ruining our chances. And then it also is made worse because Stuart gets like, you know, shyness towards performing when it comes to um, donating his semen for the the um, the surrogacy because. Vi earlier bought him a porno mag from the adult section. I was like, do they even still exist? Who buys porno magazines in public? I'm assuming it was probably Honey who was at work. Vi picking that magazine <laughs> off the top shelf. Yeah, she's always loved busty babes. <laughs> <laughs> I like handed it. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, is this for you? But I like reading. <laughs> Well, they do a lovely word search halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a fabulous horoscope. He's never wrong. <laughs> so after Vi's ruined everything, Rainy decides to sit and chat to her because it turns out she can't exactly leave them because, well, she doesn't have anywhere to go home to. And the reason for this is she let that nutcase, John, live with her. And then because of the wedding... He kicked her out of her own home and she no longer can get in. Yeah, I don't get that because that's her home. Yeah, so, how, like, has he had the locks changed? Like, how is it that she can't physically enter that home? He <laughs> should have a key. <laughs> yeah, like, has he? does he just stay in there all the time, just keep his key in the in the door so that she can't get back in? <laughs> He's just like, you're not getting in, ma'am. This is my house now. So on a hot day, he can't really open the windows in case, like, <laughs> you see <laughs> by. <laughs> Surely if you went to the police and went, oh, I've I've been locked out of my own home. Basically, someone, like, living in my house. Legally. They can get them out, surely? Yes. And then I loved it as well when she was like, when Mary was like, well, let just send Stuart around and you'll clear him out. Yeah. And then, like, she was like, no, because I want the boys to have their father. You know, families, everything. Father? It was something abusive to Stuart. Mm-hmm. Homophobic towards Callum. Mm-hmm. I ha- I don't think that, like, there's anything really redeemable about him. And now he's locked you out of your own home. <laughs> yeah, he's stolen your house. He doesn't even care for you as a mother. I love, though, because she's had time to pack a case. Yeah, he would give her that time. <laughs> he's like, I'll let you pack your stuff and then you get out of the house. <laughs> he wasn't so angry. that It's because she brought that Busty Babes magazine. You know, that 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 helps. That helps. <laughs> So anyway, Rainy decides I'm not gonna, not gonna kick you out then, and they end up bonding. All's well for now. Getting excited, baby Abby's coming home. Jack walks in the door without baby Abby, full name, and Denise is like, "Oh, you're back early." That's a bit. It's actually now I'm thinking about that. That's confused me. Do you not think? 
that because Jack's back early, maybe Max went somewhere with Abby for the day and, like, Jack's gone home. <laughs> Jack's, just, Jack's just left. Well, I just love the fact, right, that Jack, Jack knows Max has took Abby when he's over there and instead of doing logical thing, which is go to the authorities in France and look for, for Abby and Max, he comes home. <laughs> he is actually useless. Once he was a the bent copper you could rely on, but now he's useless. He's not very he's good. Like he's like the most yeah. impotent, impotent police officer ever. He's not like, very he good at know. being a police officer. No, he's not. He needs to job change because, honestly, this is ridiculous. He's let so many crimes get unsolved. He's flipping, let children go missing for days on end, maybe weeks. And now his brother has actually performed child abduction under his nose. And rather than look, Jack's just went, all right, I'll, um, I'll head the airport. Uh, yeah, I'll just have that. Get, some, you. get you some duty free on the way back. <laughs> That's a total run whilst he waits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I might get some of that nice cologne. I mean, you know, I was going to use this money for Abby, but she won't miss it. <laughs> You know, she's not, it's not like she's going to use it now. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a Frankie and Benny's as he waits. So I just, I live for it, honestly. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to alert Rainey and Stuart until later no, on. Not going to alert the police. Not going to alert the authorities. <laughs> not going to alert Rainey or Stuart. Just going to sit here, feel sorry for myself, and give Max a stern turn off fire voicemail. <laughs> With Denise to shout. Hey, I love Denise's input. It was hilarious. Just do the right thing. <laughs> For once in your life. I just love that. Can I just say, right, point blank, this is the most ridiculous thing that could have ever been done to Max's character. It does annoy me in a way because, like, Max left. He had like, the opportunity to take Abby. He yeah, didn't. Max Max left and just left everything behind him and then he was going to take Abby and they chose not to and he left our Rainey and Stuart and like now they're obviously allowing him to be up with her and yeah. and Max is a lot of things for doing this is not Max I'm no sorry. this is not Max I'm sorry right we saw Max the real Max on his final scene where he could have taken baby Abby but he realised that that would be unfair to do. And he realised how much damage it would do. So in that moment, he redeemed himself and didn't take Abby. Cut to a few weeks later, he's decided to take her after all and stole her away illegally. Max is not this character. To have him be so wronged when he can't even be on the screen, just don't have him on the screen. He's he's got the courage now. He's going to go and tell Rainey and Stuart as they're literally yeah, waiting. They are waiting a day, a whole twenty four hours have passed. And bearing in mind, Jack's probably known for even a bit more than that. Yeah, probably forty eight hours. I'm assuming in that time he's undecided to come home. And he's like, ah, yes. he's thought, all right, that's enough time. I'll wait because they're now waiting for me to bring her in. So if I go now alone, they'll get the hint. Like, <laughs> yeah, if I just walk in, they'll just know. And I don't have to have this awkward conversation about it. I can just walk in, be like, you're right, guys. Um, yeah, you want a drink? Yeah. Not have to say a single thing about the, the big, massive missing elephant in the room. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine. This is why Jack, when he stood up in front of those kids the other week, I was like, I'm a proper cop by me. I'm a policeman. Shut up, Jack. You've let crime go unpunished. Like, I love that he just was like, 
Oh, bring her home. Do the right thing. Or, Jack, you can phone the police and they can get in touch with Interpol and chase Max down to prevent him kidnapping a child. I mean, we've never seen Ricky. He's probably missing. (laughs) Where is Ricky? Maybe Ricky took Abby. (laughs) I think the real question here is, where's Ricky? (laughs) (laughs) So the bloat bed's not uh, so great, is it? And I have to say, electric pumps are revolutionary. I have one for my bloat bed. It's it's a lifesaver, Emma. It's a lifesaver. You just pop that on and it's done in about 10 minutes. Ideal. Fitzy's back on the scene. Or as you call him. Fitz. Fitz or just the, the big F. I thought that was almost sexual there, wasn't it? Was like, Fitz. Fitz. <laughs> yes, Fitz came over yesterday and we had a lovely romantic meal for two. Um, my partner was upstairs working, so it's all right. <laughs> 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 No, obviously not. I'm not that flippin' desperate, like, you know, an adult. I'm not an adult, I like Martin. Not an adult, I like Martin. <laughs> but yes, having a, a little romantic drink for two, him and Callum, aren't they? I love it. It was like low lighting. They were having their little drinks. They were having a little chat. They were discussing Seriously? how the night prior went. Ruby's place is always so dark. Like, put the lights on. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of it. It's kind of like Holostash. You know, where it's like too dim, you can't actually mm. enjoy yourself. Like, who would go there through the day? You're just basically squinting all the time, trying to... Sorry, Callum, I can't see you, love. Can't see you. What were you saying there? <laughs> you sure nah. that's you, Callum? <laughs> yeah, uh, that is you, Mr. Callum. You've got a very gruff voice all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like dating in the dark. Do you remember that weird show? <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, my God, that was so weird. <laughs> that was such a Imagine weird show. Imagine seeing the person that you're, you're dating or kissing, because you used to always kiss as well. And uh, back to Fitz, I suppose. Um, Fitz is... Fitz is planning his own romantic night because since Callum's didn't go so well. Um, I mean, I love Fitz's, like, you know, go-to answers. Just buy him flowers. I'm sure he'll like them. But then Fitzy reveals, Disney Emma, he's got plans. Romantic plans of his own. He's proposing to Vicky. And so Fitzy's planning on proposing, but before they do that, it's back to the beat, isn't it, Emma? It's back to the beat. Cue the bill music. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and uh, they're off to see Kat to help with her mugging. And I don't understand how um, Phil's cards got cancelled without his knowledge. Yeah, I'm sorry, they can't. They can't, especially when they were like, Cat did it. Like, Cat was like, I did it. I got your cards blocked. You can't. No one just phone up at your bank and be like, hi, I'm Mrs. Mitchell. Um, Just want to tell you, can you block me husband's cards? Like, even if she did it that way, it wouldn't work. No. And he had no knowledge of that. I mean, if the police did it, they would still inform Phil, surely? Yeah. Like, if, <laughs> if you filled out a police report, we're like, listen, my partner's cards have just been stolen out of my bag. Can you have them blocked? Like, can you authorise that through the bank? They would get in contact with Phil. Yeah, of course. Or your bank would get in contact with Phil. Like, like it just seems odd. Well, Phil's not happy to see Callum. And is quick to tell him to just get out. He'll sort his way. And Callum, of course, makes it his mission. I think it's kind of like his way of trying to get back in there with Phil, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, in some ways. Like, if he can solve this, if he can help cut out, maybe kind of... We'll begin building that bridge again. 
And unfortunately for Cullen, Fitz is in no hurry to go on the beat and search for this mugger. He's wanting to get off early. I mean, it's now shifted Argos, love. You're going to have to, you know, you're, you're policing. It's not the same. It's like, you know, well, I've only got about five minutes left, so I'm going to head off now. going to head off now. Yeah, I don't think you can do that when you're a police officer. Well, it is Walford, and you know what their police are like. That's true. That's true. I mean, we've seen the doctors. Ash barely works. She's never there. She just wanders around. The only time she worked was when she was really annoyed that she was going to lose her job. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most we'd ever seen her in the hospital. (laughs) That one day. (laughs) (laughs) And then... um, Callum is like, no, listen, we have to solve this. And then he suddenly has this moment, doesn't he? It was like, it was like he suddenly became like CSI level investigator. And he was like, black hair, blue hoodie, tax buttons. <laughs> that's him. <laughs> like, it was like, that's the one. I know that he's also got a, a history of a troubled childhood. His mother kicked him out when he was 15. Like, it was almost like that wasn't. <laughs> I love it because I don't remember them seeing who it was. Only cats saw who it was. And they straight away, that's him. Yeah, it was like something else, wasn't it? It was like Callum's finally, he's, he's suddenly evolved into this, like, police in, investigator. Like, it was next level. Poor Fitz, he just wanted to go home and then he gets attacked. Oh, and I think it was so sad as well because he was, like, really obviously frightened and, like, it's, like, giving Callum his, like, ring and he's like, also, did that guy teleport? Because one minute he was nowhere to be seen and Callum's like, Fitz, where is he? And he's like, I don't know. It's like um, Lucas back at Christmas time when he would just yeah. appear. When he could just appear on corners. And this <laughs> could just appear anywhere around red water. Exactly. It was, just, it was something else. He's obviously got power. He should be using it. Like, you know, for good, not evil. Where is um, he? Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, Fitzy gets stabbed and... Um, is like in a real bad way and Callum is like frantically trying to like you know help him but Fitz is adamant that Callum takes the ring box um and gives it to his his girlfriend Vicky Fitz is then taken away in the ambulance and we never really know what happened to him no. for the entire, entire week really do we we never hear anything he's just touch and go is all we hear um we're kind of still then, in the lurch about all that yeah we are um and Callum's blaming himself a bit as well because yeah. he said to like stay in and then he's the one that found him. So he's just automatically blaming himself. And this is where we're going to get the PTSD storyline we've all been waiting for. I mean, yay, finally. It's like, yeah. it's nice to finally get it because we've all been, us loyal fans have waited and waited for this PTSD storyline ever since the Bobby conversation yeah. when he was like talking about it. Like that's how far back it goes. Um even and mentions like, said, it. He even mentions like the army being in the police and even in the Vic, he mentions like yeah. that and he's always had like blood on his hands off other people, people he loves as and well. I think, so I think he probably has a history of PTSD from the time in the in the army and stuff. And I think he used to have PTSD and that we're going to now see him relapsing into that and that actually um, it's like a thing that he struggled with for a very long time. I don't think it's just this event. I think this is just the event that, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. Like, I feel like that's the um, the way they're going to approach this, which mm-hmm. is the right way, I think. Um, and like Emma says, like, Callum's immediate reaction is he blames himself. He um, feels responsible because he fits wanting to go home. And Callum made him stay on the beat and chase after that bloke. 
But it's not Callum's fault. I don't think Callum should blame himself, but obviously his PTSD and the guilt that he's feeling from this traumatic event is all understandable. All of this kind of like guilt and um, this sort of like self-resentment and trauma is is all understandable. And I think I'm just looking forward to seeing them explore as a storyline because we've already seen them in this week self-harming by punching walls. Yeah. And like Whitney comes around the corner to check if he's okay. And I genuinely thought she's going to offer him a takeaway, isn't she? <laughs> I definitely thought that. I was like, <laughs> wait until she goes, Callum, he has a KFC. <laughs> Don't you worry, thing. This will make it better. Listen, we, we know that Whitney went a bit crazy, right, guys? But this is EastEnders land, and they're now going to just pretend that that never happened because it wasn't very much liked. <laughs> um, and so I think we all have to give Whitney the benefit of the doubt. I don't think she's malevolently trying to manoeuvre her way into Callum's life or manipulate him in any way. I think she is just kind of returning to the Whitney that we all knew um, prior we, to her. Yeah, the Whitney business. we all knew and loved. Yeah, the Whitney that we loved, the Whitney that we cared about, the girl who would do anything to help someone else. And uh, Callum goes home and Ben's got him um, a present. It's a wallet, a bit like he got him the other Christmas. Remember when oh, there was that whole thing and when the split up, it was like, I think it was our first Christmas doing this podcast. Oh, it was your mind we back. devastated as well. Yes, it was the breakup wallet. Um, but now they've got matching ones, and this one's got a little wedding picture in. <gasps> I love it. And Ben apologizes for like saying like he wanted him to leave the police. He realizes that's wrong. He's not changing who he is because that's who he loves. He loves Callum for who he is. Exactly. And I think it's what we said that that was always going to happen, wasn't it, Emma? Like we said, like. They love each other, they accept each other for their faults and the things that they might not, you know, normally like in other people. They accept all those things. Like, they love each other. The next day, Callum meets up with Whitney again. Well, not intentional, like, Whitney sees him and sits with him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, very odd. <laughs> Hi, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> it's, like, it's like she's peeking behind corners, she's doing a vi. Callum opens up to Whitney because... When Ben said, let's keep the work chat outside, I don't think he's meant it, like, you In know, the way that Callum's taken In the way, but with the way Callum's mind is at the moment and the way he's processing all the events, um, he's thinking like, no, Ben doesn't want to hear the work chat, so I'm not going to talk about it. So he's bottling yeah. it in, and although Ben would more than likely prefer Callum to tell him about this, um, mm-hmm. but it all just comes out to Whitney and... Um, Whitney says if there's one thing she's learned, um, it's to open up and not keep secrets from your husband. Which is which is right. Correct. Well, then she follows that up with, and what's a marriage without honesty? I'm like, well. listen, Whitney, you should not be judging anyone's marriages. Coach kept a lot of secrets, love. He didn't tell you about Ruby for flipping months. He didn't tell you about flipping, you know, being in bed with the Mitchells, doing that whole deal with them for months until the very end. And then didn't tell you that he was going to just screw all the Mitchells over and then run into the sunset with you. So there's a lot of lies there, Whitney. I did find it weird when Ben saw the text from her because Callum lied. <laughs> they meet up again yeah. like the day after. Uh, this time, Whitney isn't just following him. They actually meet up. And um, yeah. he says like about the ring um, and she's like, don't give it to Vicky if you don't want to because Fitzy will do it himself. Like, hopeful that he's... <laughs> it's weird as well because... Basically, Callum's just holding on to this woman's ring. Yes, yeah, so like, that's that's very odd. It's just odd. It's 
he's alive and everything and he's awake and he's like do Callum give you the ring what ring no <laughs> <laughs> yeah they meet up again and they're talking about Fitzy again and Callum told Benny he was at work and told a bit of a lie to cover up meeting with Whitney we know Ben and he's not going to take this well <laughs> yeah because then he sees a text from Whitney and like isn't happy our hero this week is Isaac for carrying around random rabbits oh slapping Dan this week goes to the random mugger because why not as Isaac is our hero of the week we will be rating out of Isaacs and we're going to give this week 3.5 Isaacs well, I mean, it has to be 3.5 because we had so much fun this week. We had a lot of fun moments with like Isaac and we had exploration of the PTSD storyline that we've all been waiting for. And we also had a lot of movie that brought a lot of laughter, like pretending that Johnny Allen's like saint for parents or something. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by a brand new book. Johnny Allen's Parenting Advice. Do you need family mediation? Don't you dare, because Johnny Allen's book will help you solve all your problems by smashing up your children's belongings, terrorising their lives and threatening their boyfriends. Buy now for £9.99. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.